Welcome to Beyond Finance, a LIBF MENA podcast channel produced by the London Institute of Banking and Finance Middle East. Beyond Finance is a platform for current news and trends in the world of banking and finance in the Middle East and North Africa region. In this series, we interview industry and business leaders for the latest insights on all facts of banking and finance. I am Karim Rifai, Managing Director of the London Institute of Banking and Finance Middle East. Today, in the episode, I am joined with our esteemed guest, Charjeel Bashir, uh, and we will be talking about acceleration in the demand for sustainable finance. Charjeel Bashir is the, ex- uh, the Executive Vice President and the Chief Sustainability Officer of First Abu Dhabi Bank, one of the leading and major banks in the region. Charjeel is a result-driven leader, offering targeted experience across financial services and banking, with a combination of expertise with, with sustainability, corporate governance, risk management, and risk assurance. Throughout his career, he's helped organization enhance results by managing group-wide strategic and transformation projects that support change management. Some key facts about Charge Karel, he is named LinkedIn Top Voice for Green MENA 2022. He is responsible for developing, leading, and implementing the first Abu Dhabi Bank ESG strategy and initiative he was among the main drivers of the bank joining the UN Convention Net Zero Banking Alliance as the first bank in the UE and GCC. Previously worked at Danske Bank and as a part-time lecturer at Danish University. So, thank you for being with us and uh, it's our pleasure to host you in the uh, episode. Thank you very much for having me, Kareem. It's, uh, it's a pleasure. So, Sharjeel, is sustainable finance going through acceleration? Absolutely. I think it is. Um, however, I think it's important to highlight that we need to do much more within sustainable financing. Sustainable finance is one of the key areas, Kareem, to address the climate change challenges we are facing in order to get to net zero by 2050, which is the ultimate goal in order to address the climate change challenges. And sustainable finance here plays uh, multiple roles, right? Because it supports adaptation and mitigation uh, towards climate change as well. But also it gives us the opportunity to also support technology, innovation, job creation as well. So the impact of sustainable financing is multifaceted. And I think what is really key to focus on is the opportunity sustainable financing creates. First of all, when you are doing some sustainable financing, this could be green loan to a solar farm, as an example. This will create a direct impact on reducing the carbon emissions. You will be getting renewable energy, uh, which is having the primary effect as well. But also when you look at from an industry perspective, you're also creating potential jobs, you're creating potential opportunity at the same time, you're, you're you know, enhancing the planet for the future generations as well. So sustainable financing does have multiple impacts. We have seen over the past year extreme growth within sustainable financing, and we're expecting to see significant growth on sustainable financing. We have seen trillions of green bonds being issued historically. We see this debt instrument to accelerate as well further. We are now, as we are starting to see companies, the private sector to mature on their sustainability journeys. We are starting to see more and more companies 
looking into sustainable financing as an active tool on their planning as well and as a key uh, element of their strategic direction they want to take as well. So yes, overall, sustainable finance is moving, is accelerating, but much more needs to happen in order to decarbonize and address the challenges um, of climate change. Great. L let's take the answer uh, like in, uh, in, in different uh, bites because there's so many interesting things you have mentioned. Historically, sustainability as a topic before start being more detailed about sustainable finance uh, was kind of nice to have it's a uh, csr activity there is no business in it those kind of things and you said during your answer that there's a lot of major uh, activities been recently done here around the region or differently worldwide so what have transformed the mind the corporate mindset to where sustainability being nice thing to have to a business opportunity i think i think there's multiple things but if we if we take a step back and look at the esng environment social and governance you're absolutely right until very recently five years back everybody was speaking about csr your responsibility as a as a good corporate within a, within a country now we have expanded these things into a common framework because ESG is not new. What is new is to put them under the same umbrella and have a holistic view of this. Because CSR, we have seen for many, many years, right? We were discussing this two decades ago. Governance, we have been discussing in a long, long time, right? Having good governance, about having good compliance, being a good corporate, following the regulations, paying your taxes, and so on has been an important part of being a good corporate entity. What is new that has been added in is the environment aspect. Environment is an aspect, climate is an aspect that the corporates have not been working on actively for a long time. This has come as part of the science to realize the challenge the world faces on a climate change, which has become more and more apparent and real for everyone. But also, what I believe was the big change was following the Paris Agreement at the, uh, um, at the UN COP that took place in Paris in 2016. Following that, everybody started to talk about getting to net zero because we need to get to net zero by 2050 in order to stay within the 1.5 degree global warming basis. That accelerated the work on saying which impact can the private companies start to play on this? So until 2016, global warming was a discussion typically done by the politicians. It was a, a government discussion. But suddenly this discussion moved towards the private companies. And private companies started to say, hang on a second, we have an impact on climate. What does that impact look like? But on top of that impact, we also started to see how, how will we be hit by climate change? Right? So if you look at last year, which was probably one of the worst years from a climate change perspective, we saw floodings in Pakistan, we saw heat waves in UK, in Europe, we saw wildfires, we saw droughts in the US. So many areas was hit, right? We are speaking about billions of dollars of damage that was created due to the climate change in 2022. So, so corporates also started to look into how will this impact us? How could this impact our businesses? So it became a topic to create this holistic view on ESG 
to say not only social and governance, but let's also look into the environment aspect and the impact it will have us as a company, but also the impact we create as a company towards the planet. And let's put it under the same umbrella and work on this. So that was the reason that it became from a nice to have to need to have. But just like everything, Kareem, uh, you also need to look into that if you don't need to do this for a compliance reason, it will become a tick box exercise. But you actually need to move to a next phase to say, we need to do it as a good corporate entity, but there's actually business opportunities, right? Right now, in order to get to net zero by 2050, the expectation is that we need somewhere between two to five trillion US dollars of investment in sustainability. If this kind of an amount of investment also create opportunities, is create opportunities for businesses, it create opportunity for banks, it create opportunities for governments, for education institutions, and so on, to look into that how does this become a business opportunity for us? What can we do in order to do this? Us from a banking perspective, what is important for us is to ensure that our clients can make a sustainable transition towards the future challenges. And how can we support them on this journey is extremely important. And part of that journey is focusing on climate, is focusing on social responsibility, is focusing on governance. So how can we support them on that? At the same time, we as a bank also need to enhance our ESG profile as well. Yes, you, you know, Sharjee, like uh, I cannot ignore both our backgrounds as a bankers, you know, and, 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 and the question is here, does it take uh, two to tango to grow sustainability or sustainable finance within an ecosystem or an economy of a country? And if we take example like UAE, for example, COP28 is going to happen this year over here. So with your risk management background, with the governance background, if a bank decided that we taking sustainability, we embracing sustainability as a core value, and we would produ produce value proposition internally and externally and drive that, is it enough? Whose other key stakeholders there? What they need to be able to deliver the business? Do you see as well that the progression on the key stakeholders around the, the boost of, of sustainability are actively participating or there's challenges uh, in that ecosystem required for boosting all these investments? I think I, mean, I would like to split your question into two. So are everybody moving in the same direction? Absolutely, right? We are right now seeing policymakers looking into which policy are required to focus on, on sustainability, sustainable finance, we are seeing clients looking into their net zero journey. If you just look within the UAE, but also globally, over the past couple of years, multiple companies have come out and committed to becoming net zero. They're starting to disclose how their journey will look like. So we are seeing them participating. We have seen banks coming out and supporting the ambition of climate change. We have seen governments putting impact in it. So everybody, as I see it, is moving in the same direction. The question is, are we doing enough or how much more do we need to do? And I think that is where we need to put much more force into this. We need to do much more. We need to do things faster than we have done historically in order to move into that direction. And I think, again, from a regional perspective, we are seeing a lot of attention on this topic. 
uh, we saw UAE back in 2021 committing to net zero as the first bank, uh, sorry, the first country in the GCC. Following that, we have seen multiple other countries in the GCC committing to net zero. We are now starting to see the government putting a plan in place that how will we take these step-by-step -step approach in order to address those challenges. So now, before where you were just speaking about this topic, you're now starting to see tangible plans put in place that how we will get there. And everybody will play a role in that, right? So the banks will need to play a role in order to ensure that we have sustainable financing. The companies, the corporates will need to find the solutions that will get us to that, to, to net zero by 2050. Because what we have done historically is not gonna take us to where we need to be in 20, 30 years. So we need to have innovation, we need to have technology there. The policymakers are making the relevant policies and making sure that we have the right regulation to enhance the focus on this. We are seeing uh, schools, universities putting in place the relevant education and courses on sustainability. So we ensure that the awareness is being raised on this topic as well, because this is one of the biggest challenges faced in for this generation, basically. So, so we need to have this focus. So I, I see everybody moving in that direction. But we need to do much more and we need to run faster than we were running previously. Yes. And, you know, uh, our podcast is uh, we have audience and listeners from different parts of the world. And there is a certain uh, understanding now, like, let's say, if you take Egypt and UAE as two examples of COP27 and COP28. And recently there is a bit of views about that. GCC is the number one carbon footprint producer to the whole world and oil, fossil-based economies and these kind of things. And you already committed, you saying you're committed to the net zero. I feel like because we live here, we understand the dynamics, we know what the change is going on in the country, and we see actually it's also another opportunity for the region to produce different source of energy to the whole world and different even inputs to the sustainability move toward the world. Uh, recently, we saw a country like Kuwait, for example, which is 50, 60 degrees on the summer. They had snow a couple of weeks back, <laughs> you know? So like, and this is, was like an incident in its first time. So can you explain to our international audience that yes, we as a region, we are participating and actually we want to accelerate the move to sustainability. It's not because this oil producers that would stop me from from actually doing what's right for my people as well. So what's your take about this international perception versus the regional uh, active uh, outlook now? Kareem, I think you said it very well, right? This region is actually facing the climate change itself, right? The, the, the warming we are facing here is going twice that fast in other places in the world. So this region is exposed to the climate change. So you're absolutely right that historically, this region has been a fossil fuel economy, very much focused on that. Um, of course, a lot of emissions, carbon emissions, but in order to address these challenges, you cannot exclude the ones who needs to be part of the solution, right? And I think it's extremely important that taking the perspective that how do we address these challenges? And that's why I believe that, you know, if, if somebody is willing to come to the table to find a solution, it's the fantastic, it's the fantastic way to have this. We need everybody 
to address this change, right? As I, as I tell everyone, we're not gonna decarbonize and get to net zero without contribution from everyone. It's not something that one country can solve, not one company can solve it, no one individual can solve it. You need partnership across every single level from global, from governments, from companies, from individuals, everybody will need to move into the same direction to get there. That's why you cannot exclude anyone from this discussion. Everybody should be inclusive. The key part is we need to find solutions. And I think that the commitment UAE and the region has shown over historically over the couple of years is amazing. If you look at Masdar, the renewable focus, the entity on focusing renewable energy was born in Abu Dhabi around 15 years ago, right? So already at that time, UAE started to focus on renewable energy. If you look at how much the renewable energy has increased in the country as well, but also in the region, it's amazing, it's phenomenal. And we need to continue that journey in order to get to that point. So I don't understand the narrative of just excluding someone. Um, I, I don't know how we're gonna find a solution if you're gonna exclude someone, right? It's just, I remember that uh, when I was younger, when you were in the, in the school ground, right? And, and, and if somebody was, was bullying you and teasing you and you wanted to find a solution, you didn't ignore them, right? You, you, you came together and you discussed to find a solution. And that's what everybody needs to do. And this is what I saw at COP27. Everybody coming together to try to find solutions. I hope exactly the same will happen at COP28, that everybody will be moving into the same direction to address the challenges that we face as a planet, as humans, that is much more important than anything else. Great. And actually, uh, you, you completely nailed uh, on that in this point. Why? Because exclusion is against the ESG. So like how you took sustainability and you want to exclude <laughs> you know, so and it's a no, but this leads me leads me to the question of from our observation as an institute regionally and myself even being actively member in different sustainability groups around the region, and we deliver a lot of education from professional education to to undergrad postgrad education in sustainability, and a lot of content for leadership white papers. I always feel that the E is the start of the show and the S and the G are not getting enough attention. Do you agree or how do you look into this? I understand where you're coming from, right? Because on the E, you're having, um, so to say, a burning platform just in front of you, right? Because for every year, we take longer to address climate change. The task is just getting bigger on the end. So it's very tangible. But however, what I always tell people that the most difficult part to address is the S, the social. Because on the E, we can put regulations in place. We can develop technologies. Um, we have the focus. We have the COP taking place where we bring everybody together to discuss this. But the S, that's the cultural part, right? You cannot put directions very clearly. When we speak about diversity, inclusiveness, it takes a long time. And it's very different from country to country to region to region to address these things. We have different maturity levels. We have very different starting points as well. So while we can regulate us our way through 
um, the E aspect, the F is much more different because the maturity between the UAE to France to Bangladesh to Australia is very different. We cannot just take the same regulation and say, now we're just going to do everything the same way because the education levels are different, the infrastructure is different, the, um, the, uh, the, how, the, how the country is set together is very different. So the S part, I believe, is the most difficult part to grasp on and, and a much, uh, I wouldn't say a bigger challenge, but the challenge that would be probably more difficult to address than the E. Um, so, so I think that is extremely important to focus on. And as a, even as a company, it's not an easy task to address because it's a, it's a cultural thing. It's a structure that has been created in a country from many, many years. And again, if you discuss this topic around diversity, if you look in Europe and US, we are still discussing diversity, right? And, and which have been discussing this topic for multiple decades. We're now starting to discuss these in other parts of the world as well. So it's a, it's a discussion, it's a culture that we need to build. And it's not something we can build overnight or, or over a couple of days and just put some regulation in place. It's going to take much longer. So while on EPART, we can start seeing the pathways, the roadmap, and so on. And we can have each other accountable. You can ask me, Shadi, what did you do to reduce your carbon footprint? And I can ask you the same question. The S part is much more difficult to have that conversation. To touch on the S, uh, recently in one of the conferences I attend, uh, one of the World Bank representative was sharing the statistics about financial inclusion. And they say that most recent statistics shows that 45% of world population of 8 billion people okay, doesn't have access to financial systems or accounts. Just because we both comes from the banking industry, we've grown up in the banking industry. What do you think is the overall initiatives or efforts banks need to do to include? Because, you know, at the end of the day, the industry sometimes is driven by customer acquisition ratios and profitability towards customers. And if we're talking about 45% not included, in the system. So actually, there's another business opportunity on how to include them, uh, considering sustain, uh, sustainability and the correlation to fintech and digital transformation, because it's part of helping the E and the digital footprint is better than the physical footprint. What is your views about when you see this number? It's a shocking number. Like what we yeah, can do about it's that. A it's a huge number and it's shocking and it's unfortunately a number that has been there for a long time. And, and again, the, the challenges on this are, are multiple, but, but let's discuss the solutions that what we can do. And, and what we have done, and I can, I can speak for ourselves at FAB, is something that we put as a part, a key part of our ESG strategy. Because we wanted to be a bank that um, are, are open for everyone. We wanted to be a diverse and inclusive bank, but also serve what we call the underbank community. And underbank does not mean just that you don't have access to a bank account. It also means, and, and I think sometimes people actually think that when you're not having a bank account, it's because you don't have money some, for some reason, right? It is that the case for many people. But being underbank also means that you just don't understand what are the opportunities, financial opportunities in front of you, right? 
you might just have a banking account with a lot of money on not to understand how to utilize this to your best benefit. It might also be people who can't even get access to a banking account, right? So you need to have those different aspects included into that. Some of the things we also looked into when we were looking into this, that if we want to be an inclusive organization, how are we, what are our offerings for people of determination who have difficulties to maybe accessing a branch simply, right? So sometimes the, the very obstacle can be, you know, I can't get into a branch because it's on the first floor, right? And there's no elevator, a very simple thing. So how do you address that aspect? So it's just breaking this down to small issues and saying, how do you build that thing, right? So as an example, when you're a young person, once you're done with your school, how can you ensure that they can get an account, right? What are the system for that? And again, how can you explain them about banking very simply? What is your need? How do you address them? So it comes back to raising awareness and sharing that information with your relevant stakeholders, which becomes extremely important. Yes. And uh, the the other thing is about the fact that banks recently are looking into uh, even future customers. And, and I want to talk about this a little bit because this is very much in the core of the ESG. We see a younger generation, millennials or Generation Z, whatever you want to define, how you want to define. A lot of, especially we talk about North America and Europe, and, and you have an experience out there as well, that below 30 years old customers don't want to be customers of companies that doesn't have a ESG and CSR. They even think from their own shoes to shirts, to bank, to anything they interact with, they would love to become customers. So I think the awareness and the knowledge from the consumer side is going to bring some pressure in organizations to transform. Otherwise, they will be out of business because they, they, don't, they don't have the reasons to exist. But as an educational institute, Shorji, uh, and looking up to your career and your current position, and I'm a bachelor degree holder, I'm studying banking and finance in the UK or anywhere in the world, and I'm so interested about sustainability. How can I be a chief uh, sustainability officer in, in a bank or in, 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 in any different industry? Like how you made your career over there, please please let us know. And what is your advisors and how you can get a career over there? So I think, Kareem, uh, just overall, right? I think just like in every other career, what is very important is to get the understanding of the organization you're coming into, right? So. Again, being a, a chief sustainability officer in a bank is different than being in a steel company to being into a manufacturing company or an auto company, right? Because you always have your own basic business model. And from a sustainability perspective, I see two angles if you want to focus towards that direction. One is that you become specialized in environment aspects. So what does it require? So what is the environment impact in different industries, right? Because we all have the same thing in common that we need to understand the environment impact and how can we address that. The other aspect is if you don't go in that direction, it is more about getting a better understanding of that company's business model. So what does that mean? So being in a bank for me, it's important for me to understand how does a bank work? What is the, the, the engine of the bank? Right? So what is the risk management aspect? What is the business aspect from a corporate banking to consumer banking? 
It's about understanding the, the whole um, uh, strategic direction of banks and, and what needs to be focused, the regulatory impact of that. To say, okay, how does ESG fit into those aspects? Because end of the day, ESG and the role of a, of a sustainability officer is to embed sustainability within the organization, whether it's a product, whether it is a service, whether it is the culture of the organization needs to focus on sustainability. So for me, there's two directions. One, either really focusing on the environment aspect because that is required, or really understanding and specializing in the different industries to get an understanding of, say, how can we embed sustainability within that aspect is going to be, for me, the two crucial directions for the future, because sustainability is not going to go away. Sustainability is going to be there, but it's just going to mature over the time. Right now, we're discussing E. Hopefully, we will crack this over the coming years to have that everybody will be focusing on the E. It's probably going to take a decade or so, but the S part is going to become extremely important as well. And that will also require an understanding of how does S impact our industry, our company, our culture. Great. Uh, it's very important for younger generations, younger bankers, and, 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 and potentially future pipeline of our talent in, in the banking and finance industry to understand that the core knowledge around the industry is integral to the development to speciality areas like sustainability, fintech, and all these kinds of things. You need to see the business model to be able to find where the enhancement opportunities are available and where you can plug in the specialities of your sustainability background or, or, or even any other, any other aspect. I can't thank you enough for your contribution today and this uh, amazing discussion. I don't know if even our audiences uh, will understand that we didn't prepare questions. We were actually in conversation. So <laughs> I do not think prepared. I, uh, it was just an enlightening uh, episode for Beyond Finance. Jean, any last notes or, or remarks you want to share with our audiences? And uh, I thank you so much for this. No, first of all, Karim, thank you so much for inviting me and giving me the opportunity to speak today. And again, I, I'm sure we could have spoken many hours on this topic because it's so important and it's so close to all of us. Uh, no, I think I think you made a very good point, which I just want to highlight, right? Because a lot of people often ask me why ESG, why is ESG important? And I think you gave a very good answer to that, right? We are seeing the new generation, but everyone are now, and there's actually research on this topic that now consumers are willing to pay a higher price for sustainable products or sustainable brands. We are seeing when you want to hire the best talents in companies, they ask you, what is your sustainability ambition in order to join the right company? When you look at from investor perspective, investors are looking into investing companies who are having ESG credentials. And finally, as we already discussed, regulator is going to play an extremely important role in that. So all your key stakeholders are the reason to focus on sustainability from a business opportunity, but also from a compliance opportunity. That's why sustainability is moving from a nice to have to a need to have for every company. So I think that that is what I would just like to close with, but I think that is extremely important to remember. And the reason ESG is gonna be important for the many, many years to come. Thank you, Shajir. This has been another enlightening episode of Beyond Finance podcast of the London Institute of Banking and Finance, MENA. 
Chargil Bashir, our guest from the first Abu Dhabi Bank. It was an honor to have you. Thank you to all our listeners worldwide, especially in MENA region. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. To learn more about us or contact us, visit our website www.mina.libf.ac.uk. Follow our social media channels at LIBF MENA on Twitter and Instagram and look us up on LinkedIn, the London Institute of Banking and Finance MENA. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.